Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pick and Play podcast. Uh, today, joined again, we're running this thing back to back to back to back. Mr. Florida Man, Sauce Castillo himself, pick and scroll hoops. Leo, what's up? What's going on, man? How you doing today? Oh, you know, still quarantined in my house, locked in, uh, but... <laughs> still locked up, I feel that. Schedule release today, Jordan Doc. NBA talk. Today we're going to be getting into NBA hypotheticals. We're going to get into that Jordan doc that's keeping us afloat. Um, NFL schedule we're going to save till next week and we'll hit that full bore. Uh, but for now, let's jump right into some of the NBA talk. Uh, we are hearing rumors that leagues, uh, teams are preparing to open to begin practice. Uh, there is apparently a memo going out that everyone needs to be ready to go. Uh, and we're going to see some sort of abbreviated season, and then I'm not sure if we're going to get a full uh, a full um, playoff. There may be five, maybe five game playoffs. Uh, so let's start with uh, the regular season. Um, how many games do you think they're going to play, and what does it mean when this all returns? You see, I think there's a difference, in my opinion, of how many games do I think they're going to play and how many games do I think they should play? Um, I think personally that they should jump right into the playoffs. Now that's easy for me to say as a known Laker fan, you know, the Lakers have the number one seed, so I don't have to worry about shit. Like my team is, or the team that I am invested in will be in the playoffs regardless of what happens. But if the concern is safety and they're not sure if they can do things safely and, and what have you, then I don't see the point of running the rest of the regular season unless you're doing it strictly as a money grab. Yeah, I think they are going to do it as a money grab because they've lost a ton of money. Some of these teams don't make a lot of money uh, and need any bit they can get. Uh, we've seen uh, TV, um, I'd say TV watches up through the roof uh, just between any sporting event they can get on TV. Uh, you know, the draft did crazy numbers. Everything's going to do crazy numbers. I think they want to get it. I wouldn't be surprised if they did a 15-game regular season round out. Uh, yeah, I'd like 10 to 15. I feel like you, if you're going to do the rest of the regular season, you have to, or if you're going to try to do some of the rest of the regular season, you need to be able to give teams that are on the playoff bubble a chance to make the playoffs. And that's not going to be possible with, you know, five games. No, so I think you need to give them a, a real chance to make a run if that's what you want to do. So here's what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to do some sort of abbreviated games, and then they're going to go, hey, um, seed six, seven, eight, and nine, you all play each other for the first round of the playoffs, okay? So six, seven, eight, and nine, you all play. Um, uh, sorry, it's not six, seven, seven, eight, nine, and ten, you all play. Okay, and you're going to do a short, you know, uh, NCAA tournament style bracket uh, where we go, hey, we didn't get a full season. We're going to give everyone who's on the cusp a chance to get in. So here's what we're looking at. Here's what we're cooking. You sit, you four teams in each conference play each other. Uh, the t top two teams that come out fall into the, the you know, the, the other side of the bracket and we go from there. Um, I think you'll see five game playoffs. I don't think you'll see long, uh, you know, regular seven games. Um, and then you're going to see the next season pushback. But they've been, remember they were talking about how they were going to do some kind of tournament to make things easier? Uh, yeah, if you wanted to, or if the NBA wanted to toy around with the idea of having a tournament, this is, there's no better situation or no better opportunity that they're going to get than this right here. So I actually, I hadn't thought about them doing, 
doing a, a sort of play-in tournament this year. But you bring up a good point. That's a good idea. You know, they, they've floated that out there before. So if you want to do a trial run, nobody's going to be mad if you do it this year. Right. And let me tell you what. If you don't, I, that's a huge fuck-up. You get a blank check to try something you're really scared of. You know, you, you're worried about how it's going to view. You know this is going to blow things. You know it's going to do numbers, right? So, you know, if you're doing it from a gender standpoint, I think you'll get the numbers you're looking for. I think that's the way to go anyway. Um, let's take a look so at... I, go ahead. I've written a few questions down that I wanted to ask you throughout the pod, and you yeah. actually walked me right into my first question. Perfect. All right, so... How do you see the prolonged rest that these players are having affecting the rest of the season from an on-court standpoint? Now, I, we just talked about whether the games are going to be played or how many games are going to be played, but I'm talking strictly the on-court product. Do you think that we could get the best, some of the best playoff performances that we've ever seen? Because players don't normally have a month or two or three or however many it's going to end up to rest heading into the most important stretch of the season. So, so play, older players like LeBron or injured players like Kawhi, we might see some playoff performances from them that you know that we haven't seen in a long time just because they've had all this time to rest their bodies. So two things. The there's that saying luck favors the prepared and that's going to ring true uh, if you are a team that has a LeBron okay LeBron is definitely staying in shape okay you don't have any questions there the senior members who uh, grind hard work hard show up at the beginning of the season in shape don't need to play themselves in shape okay they're going to be on fire coming out of the gate on fire these senior veteran teams that know how to prepare and know what they need to do i think those teams are going to be really really good out of the gate um the lakers i think the thunder uh those are two teams in the west that i go these are they're going to come out prepared they are all grinders and I think they're going to be able to keep a hold on what they've got or move up the rankings in the Thunder case. I think some of these younger teams are going to struggle because they haven't been in the league as long. And they may not have uh, – and it's really about what is your access at home? You know, LeBron's got a whole fucking gym, right? Do How many other players do? How many other players are set up to practice from home or have a nearby location or even put in the effort? I, think, I can tell you by looking at their social media posts that it's the number's a lot lower than I thought. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of players living in condos and high-rises that I thought might have their own spot. And, are, and so those players, look, some people may have not shot a basketball in a month. So get ready. These teams, uh, uh, James Harden, uh, he might show up the most out of shape we've ever seen. He normally plays <laughs> himself into shape. I don't know, maybe not. But that's kind of his M.O. That's how I feel. I really feel like some teams that are prepared and worked hard through this whole thing, you know, LeBron made it clear from the get-go. They want to finish the season. He wants his crown back. That There's no question to me that the Lakers are going to be ready to go. I don't know if teams like the Thunder or teams that were already suffering from some chemistry issues are going to fall behind. I think the East is way – I think while the West has more talent – I think the East is set up for way more success. Uh, the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics, the Heat, these are pretty well-run teams that while they have some younger players, you know, Giannis on the Bucks, the, uh, most of the Celtics, these 
these teams should be ready to go. The Heat are one of the most in shape teams in the NFL, uh, NBA. So, yes. I, to your yes. point, I, I think that teams like the 76ers are going to suck coming out the gate. Um, yeah, that's what I, I, I wanted to jump in real quick and say that that would be the Heat would be my pick to be the East team that jumps right out of the gate because they look like they're a no nonsense type of franchise. Jimmy Butler is probably sending texts daily telling about, did you get your work in? Yeah. Did you get your shots up? Like, I, I feel like they're going to come out the gates racing. They're also in Florida where there's been a lot less restriction. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're all, you know, where they're all working out. I, oh, they're definitely all working they have, out. They have an advantage. Teams that are in states that are not pursuing uh, as clean of a lockdown are going to have an advantage. And I think that's that's going to be an edge. And, and as we get closer, we'll talk about where we're going, you know, betting and things like that. Um, so let's take a real quick look at, uh, we won't look at the top uh, five teams in each division, but each conference, but let's take a look at uh, who, if there was a 15-game playoff, who could make a run and perhaps a, perhaps push into that four-game bracket? And this is all a hypothetical world we're dreaming up. Uh, as we know, basketball right now has not been announced to come back, so we, all we have is uh, wishes and wonders. So if we look at the, we start with the Western Conference, you're, you're four teams right now that are kind of in the bracket, the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, the Trailblazers, and the Pelicans, that would be your playoffs. Um, I don't believe that the Kings, Spurs, Suns, Wolves, or Warriors could make a 15-game run to get in, to, get, you know, to, to, to punch a ticket. The Warriors, if there were 15 games left and the Warriors came back fully healthy and they won all 15 games, all the all the all the Pelicans would have to do would be win two of their games to have the same win total. So the Warriors are may come back being the best worst team ever eliminated because Clay should be healthy. Their whole team should be healthy. Uh, but I, I actually think they've already been mathematically eliminated from playoff contention, so yeah. they're not even worth discussion. Yeah. So you're really looking at uh, the Mavs, the Grizz, the Blazers, the Pelicans, the Kings, and the Spurs. Do you see any world where the Spurs or Kings could dethrone either the Grizzlies, the Mavericks, the Blazers, or the Pelicans? Mm, short answer, no. Because okay. I, I don't know what San Antonio would have fixed in this time. It, their problem wasn't health. Their problem wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't anything that a prolonged rest was going to help. Their, yep. their problem is their roster sucks. Yep. So I, I don't see the Spurs advancing. I also don't see the Kings advancing, and that has more to do with Luke Walton than it does their roster. I just don't see Luke Walton bringing them on a huge run. That being said, before they stopped play, the Kings were 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. Yep. So maybe they figured something out right before we cut. Uh, and if that's the case, then I guess you could see them make a run. Uh, but the team that – the two teams, actually, that I would expect to surge a little bit once we return to play would be the Blazers and the Pelicans, only because those two teams are in the positions that they're in because they dealt with injuries all season long. And now they should be healthy. Dame Lillard should be ready to go. Zion has had, you know, a month or two months or however long it's going to end up being to, to rest up his body. He was dominating the league, you know, off of a off of a meniscus tear, you know, with, with zero practice, zero nothing. He, he jumped right in there and, and started dominating. So I'm assuming with more rest, we're going to see even better results. 
on the eastern side we've got uh your your seven eight nine ten are nets magic wizards hornets honest honest to god for me i don't give a fuck about any four of those teams uh, <laughs> uh i know the nets are going to come back with kd that's a very real possibility right now and that could be a very scary team my only problem is this i think kyrie irving is one of the most cancerous players we've seen in basketball you know over the last five or six years uh he forced his way out of Cleveland, which would, there, there, there's some back-end story where they fired the GM who was real close to Kyrie. Kyrie then doesn't trust the front office. Front office tries to trade him. He finds out. He pushes his way out. He goes to Boston, completely guts a team built on chemistry. Then he goes to the Nets, and all we hear is nonstop drama. Um, I... I I don't know what that does for a team that you're going to rely on chemistry coming into these games because you're not everyone's going to be in the best shape. Uh, so you're going to rely a lot on old school chemistry, ball movement. Um, I believe Kyrie definitely is staying in shape. I, I don't have a question about that. Uh, but out of those four teams, I don't give a shit who comes out of it. Uh, I guess I want the Nets but it, just for a competition standpoint, but where do you sit with the seven, eight, nine, ten teams? Uh, I, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. I mean, unless John Wall is going to make his miraculous return, you know, once the the league resumes, then I don't really care what the Wizards are doing over there. There's 16 games below 500, so yeah, whatever. Uh, same thing with the Hornets. Uh, I don't even know what could happen for the Hornets to be able to turn it around and make a, some kind of run. They'd have to have some kind of unbelievable development from, I don't even know who, Malik Monk maybe. But, no, nah, we can move on from them. But I do want to stop you at the Nets. Uh, I feel like you have my notes written down here because you ran me right into my next question that I have for you. If, let's say, it's Christmas for Nets fans across the world and the league resumes in July, let's say, hypothetically. And KD and Kyrie, let's say they both are healthy enough to play. They both decide we're both going to give it a go for the rest of the season, build some chemistry before next season, which is the one that actually counts for them. How far do you think a Kyrie-KD combo coming off of injury and, and never having played together, how far do you think that they could advance in a playoff? Uh, I think that a team like the Heat could upset them. Um, I think that the Celtics could beat. I, I don't. I don't see them as a top five team. Uh, do you see them as a first round out? Do you think they could win a series I against think, a higher seed, or do you think it's automatic that they'd be out of there? They if could. If the playoffs were to start today at regular one through eight seeding, they'd be playing the Raptors. So I think on talent, they could... See, I don't really know there, man. I fucking hate Kyrie Irving. Uh, <laughs> I picked that up from you. I, I don't hate Kyrie. <laughs> I like him. But I can pick up the hate from you. See, I'm a, I'm a chemistry guy. I am. I believe that sports are played. Uh, you know, um, Jalen Rose talks about it. Uh, the, it's, it's the game. You know, uh, you either have the camaraderie or you don't. You either click or you don't. And teams that don't click don't win unless they have some sort of overwhelming talent. Um, you know, uh, good the Warriors. You've got four All-Stars. 
five all-stars, sorry, with Iggy, and, and you know, okay, you overwhelm everyone with sheer power. We saw that there was no way to get around that amount of power, but Kyrie and, and KD, it's just them. There's no four other, you know, Hall of Fame players sitting behind them, ready to bring that camaraderie. And for all we saw, they Steve Kerr did do a good job keeping them focused on the task at hand. I don't see that in the Nets. I think Kyrie's a complete cancer. I think if you get into a playoff series where they don't get a long runway to build into each other and figure out how to work, you know, Steph and Clay and Draymond are some of the most selfless players in the NBA. That is not KD or Kyrie. So, I don't right. I, I think I I'm no is my answer. Agree with you for the most part. I, I think that given this season specifically for this season and the circumstances that they'd be playing under, I don't see them even making it out of the first round if they were to come back because they would have to be playing the Raptors or the Celtics. Uh, but if they were a higher seed, you know, if we were talking about a team that's in like the 4-5 or five matchup, I could see them getting the Pacers out of here. I, I might be able to see them getting the Sixers out of here. Um, but... Yeah, for this season, it's not going to happen. There's now, a, next season and beyond, I yeah. am a believer in the Nets, and I do think that they're going to be good. They might not be championship good, but they'll be near the top of the East. But for this specific scenario, I'm with you. They're, even if they come back, it's it's hopeless. They should just sit out. They're nine games behind the 76ers to the sixth seed, so they did do some kind of back-half play over like 7, 8, 9, 10 uh, it's almost impossible for them to make up that gap, so they'd have to do a play, and they'd walk through the play, and and then they get crushed by whoever's waiting for them. So, random stat that I'm looking at right now, and, and feel the need to share: the Sixers, twenty nine and two at home. Yeah, did, <laughs> did not know that they were that big of a drug. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm looking at that too. Twenty nine and two. The Bucks are twenty eight and three. Uh, Seventy six or sixteen losses on the road. Um, but which is actually brings up the point of the Bucks being uh, what twenty five and nine away. So I mean, yeah. that's going to be a pretty good. Uh, oh, the seventy six are the ten and twenty four I mean, away. That we're discussing where the bottom seeds kind of play it out for the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, or for the first round of the playoffs. In that scenario, you would have to love Philly. Given they're twenty nine and two at home, they'd be one of the higher seeds. Or were we doing seven, eight, nine, ten? Seven, eight, nine, ten. It's yeah. hopeless for Philly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think, and and then Philly, twelve and ten and twenty four on the road. That is such a weird thing. You normally don't see those kind of splits in the NBA, but there it is. Actually, now that I'm looking at all the numbers, and we'll quick detour before we get into the Jordan doc. Um, the Heat are like that as well. Fourteen and nine and way twenty seven and five at home. Uh, that's an oddball too um, for the Heat. So maybe it's just uh, other teams come into town there, and there's just too much to do in Miami. <laughs> young teams are typically better at home than away. Yeah, uh, and and the Heat are pretty young. Heat I mean, are pretty young. Have, you know they they do have Dragic and they have Butler and they have uh, like Olenek. But other than that, the team is fairly a bunch of young guys. Yep. Same with Philly. So I guess it kind of makes sense, but that's yeah. a big disparity. It's a huge disparity. So the NBA season is going to be kicking off soon. We have more information. We'll get into that. And then we'll be breaking down, you know, what we're going to bet on and how we're going to do it. And that is going to unleash um, a, a whole other slew of questions. Leo, any roundup thoughts about the NBA? No, nah, man. I hope we're back soon. 
Uh, I know this rest has been good for LeBron. It's been good for Kawhi. It's it's probably been good for a lot of the stars. So I just want to get back to basketball. That way we can see what they look like with all this rest and a short runway. Because I feel like, you know, the NBA players, they pace themselves throughout the season. And knowing that you're coming off of a couple months rest and you only have to play another month, maybe two of basketball, I want to see how that affects the product. I want to see what the Jordan doc does to everybody and, and if, uh, you know, uh, if there's any additional fire. players going to come out shooting turnaround fadeaways? I think you may get more players trying to do more I would say that I think it'll just inspire a lot of players I don't know if it'll inspire them for the better I see I see I, I you know I'm not sure what I'm gonna get I think that you know just watching it myself you know I think a lot of people have been like wow that that motivates me you know just watching Jordan's passion I mean, it's not like right. all these NBA players aren't watching that as well uh, when they see that desire to win I don't I don't know what comes out of it I, I'm, I'm excited to see if there is any I'm excited to see uh, how many times, uh, you know, NBA Twitter is the most lit Twitter. So uh, I'm excited to see how many times someone goes, you know, I, I was watching a Jordan doc and I was like, you know, you're right. I'm not committing myself enough or how many people, you know, take the other side of it and, and see how much Jordan played off the field uh, and maybe try to emulate that as well. Because Jordan played off the field just as hard as he played on the court. So let's flip in. I Go I ahead. want to make one prediction before we move on to the Jordan Doc. Yep. If we if the playoffs happen and everything goes back to normal and you know everything is regular seating, I just want to make an early prediction that I have the Mavs either surging up the standings up to the the higher seeds in the West or pulling off a first round upset. I'm throwing that out there now. Hmm. They have the third highest point differential in the Western Conference for the season. And they dealt with a lot of injuries to Kristaps and Luka. Uh, both of them should presumably be healthy if we're coming back. And so this team, they, they already showed themselves to be one of the better teams in the West. Their standing just doesn't reflect that. But watch out for them. Yeah, I mean, they're very close in record. They're three games away from the Nuggets, so they could hypothetically... Four games away from the Clippers. So they could hypothetically, uh, I wouldn't say jump the Clippers, but I could see them jumping the Nuggets, especially because we've seen, this goes back to an earlier point, um, that some players like to play their way into shape. And the Nuggets have a particular center who <laughs> showed up and said, oh, I didn't really work out. I played a lot of Pokemon. So I don't know if the quarantine is going to be the same for everybody. Yeah, I'm with you. So, all right, uh, let's jump now into the Jordan doc. Uh, we saw episodes five and six. I think we're still building. Um, I would say that uh, the Jordan doc, I went out and bought uh, the book. Um, uh, let me check its name again. I went out and bought a Jordan book just to try to get more uh, more understanding into what's happening behind the scenes uh, and, and try to get a grips on the thing that separates me from the doc right now more than anything is the overwhelming drag of ownership to just purely move on. Uh, the book I just downloaded, Playing for Keeps, um, it really follows Michael Jordan's whole career. Uh, and Michael Jordan was blessed to play with a lot of good coaches from Dean Smith in North Carolina up till Phil Jackson. Um, but the interesting thing is when he gets up there, uh, the owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, honestly, 
this isn't so much in the doc. They, they pretty much portray Jerry as someone who's hands off. But when you read these books about it, going a level deeper, Jerry Reinsdorf has no interest in basketball whatsoever. Um, he got all his money from uh, being a very, very shrewd negotiator. Uh, parlaying multiple deals and companies into more money. Uh, some of those companies he was a part of fell apart after he left and were kind of built on uh, a, a little bit of a shell game. And so uh, it's very evident to me watching this doc and then hearing a little bit of more reading that book that the truth is the reason why this whole thing fell apart is Jerry Reinsdorf wanted to win negotiations with players. He had no interest in putting W's up on the, on the court. He thought having Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen in these great contracts was a way for him to hold his head above everyone else. Look at what a good job I did getting these crazy good deals for crazy good players. Um, and by the end of it, he lost all of his leverage. And instead of caving to those desires to continue winning on the court, he simply packed his bag up and left and, and, and sided with Jerry Krause. Uh, and it's, it's honestly... Um, I'm just surprised they didn't more poke into the fact that ownership fucked this whole thing up every which direction. Yeah, so my my biggest point is that I just don't understand why we didn't dive more, and maybe we will, into the role that ownership played in these negotiations. Uh, that was Jerry Reinsdorf bread and butter for his whole entire career. It's how he made his money. And at the end of the day, uh, he couldn't come to terms with Phil on anything long term, even though it was proposed a couple times. Phil never wanted to make the most money. He just wanted enough money to feel respected for what he had accomplished with five rings up until this point. Um, Jordan had on the table an offer. They had submitted for two more years uh, at a 36 and $40 million price tag. Uh, Jerry, Re Jerry Reinsdorf balked at that. Um, the one thing everyone needs to know is for the first seven years of Jordan's career, he signed a very team-friendly deal. After that, he kind of had him by the balls. Then they paid him way more money than uh, the normal player. Jordan was making $30 million a year, uh, and and most star players were making at most 10 So it was crazy, but it wasn't when you look at the fact that Every year that Lebr uh, LeBron, uh, MJ, um, you know, was in the league, ratings were through the roof. When MJ left the league, ratings have not returned to that level. No matter, and there's way more star power today than there was. Jordan transcended all that, and management and ownership was too busy trying to win a paperwork fight over putting together a product that could ride out one last time or maybe they win another one you know they, they didn't go to a game seven we don't know where the limit was for them so i really wish the doc would more look into the reason this all broke up and they're pinning it on jerry Krause. and jerry Krause had a huge amount to do it but who employed jerry Krause? and we're not talking about that enough what was the name of that book again? Because it sounds like an interesting read, and I'm going to assume most of the people listening to this, and myself included, haven't read it. It is Playing for Keeps uh, by David Halberstam, and I am about uh, mm, uh, five, six chapters in, and it's gone in depth. I mean, there was a point where Jerry Reinsdorf flew out to negotiate with Phil while Phil was at, I 
think it was he has a Montana Lodge. Um, and uh, one thing Phil told Jerry was, you know, uh, in, in, and uh, they, they did this kind of between the two of them uh, in talking on negotiating. Uh, Phil goes, Jerry, just, you know, hang out here for a minute. Look at all this, you know, look how beautiful the land is, right? You know, these are the things I care about. Look at, look at, and Jerry said, I saw enough of it when I flew in and leaves. Now, that's my whole theme here. This owner had no interest and no idea what the NBA team was doing. He had the team to increase his own personal standing amongst his very rich peers, but wanted it to be his way or the highway. And for the last 25, 30 years, it's been the highway. I mean, it's been his way, which has been an empty highway. Like, there's, there's, there's nothing happening here. So I, I, I expected them, and I really want them to go more into the fact that while Jerry Krause is the easy villain to pick on here, the, the truth is Jerry Reinsdorf was the enemy. Yeah, I'm with you. That isn't so much what I got out of it. My lasting memory from the, the last two episodes that aired on Sunday were, man, I would have loved to be a fly on the wall during that dream team, uh, during the practices, during the games. I just wish I could have been there like towel boy. I, I'd have wiped the floor down. Like, I just wish I could be in the room to watch all those guys play, man. I, you hear, or at least I've heard, about these legendary Dream Team practices, and you've had interviews where the players have touched on how intense it was and how you know it was the changing of the guard over to Jordan. But that that the footage that aired last Sunday was the most detailed, the most that that was the best footage I've seen from that practice or from those from that era. And man, I just I just wish I could have seen it live, man. That shit looked like it was amazing. Yeah, it's they... great basketball. You got legends all over the court. Uh, I still don't understand why Christian Leitner was on that team. I don't care if he was the best college basketball yeah. player. Um, but man, it just looks like that was some intense basketball. I want to see the practice footage. I want them to just say, "Hey, episodes eleven and twelve are actually just uh, unfiltered." Like, four hours of unfiltered between you know the gods of the game really uh, i just want to hear michael and magic bark at each other up and down the court larry probably wasn't saying too much but you know he was probably getting his shit off too like give me that for the full hour this coming sunday yeah just, just roll the tape <laughs> you don't even have to give me commentary just just let me hear you know we're starting to wind down on the dock uh we got four episodes left we are approaching, I think we're in the playoffs now, so I'm interested where they're going to go with four episodes left, considering they didn't really struggle in at, at, at anything, you know, on their way. So I, I want to know if they, they kind of do like a send-off on episode eight and then kind of an aftermath on nine and ten, or maybe nine's the send-off. But, you know, my big thing is this. It perplexes me how this could ever happen like you're just making so much money you know they talk about the jordan doc where they're like we expect to sell three million dollars in shoes we sell 120 million okay what so people are making money what what is wrong with paying these team again i'm i'm just like beside myself and you got to read that book it'll make you twice as mad as jerry reinsdorf 
Um, now, Kraus did all of the, hey, oh, Tony Kukoc, that guy's going to be a star. Yep, 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 yep. And obviously, Jordan then went and eviscerated anyone that Jerry Kraus ever mentioned. <laughs> I, I thought that was funny. He, he just he had a hit list of people Jerry Kraus liked and demolished all of them, and it's amazing. <laughs> And, and but that you know it goes more to it. Get rid of that GM for fuck's sake! Like any you know the, the talents assembled, anyone can keep them together. Uh, so it's just fucking crazy. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that I'm realizing watching this doc, and obviously we already know this, but it's amplified by watching this documentary, is how perfect of a team the Bulls were. Like. Their adversity is not liking each other. <laughs> yeah. It's not, you know, it's not like they won a championship and then they spent a couple years losing and then they battled back or, you know, no, they whooped ass for, for many years and their only issue was personally not liking each other. That, that's insane to me. Their only issue was that the ownership hated the players and the coaches. Like it's, it wasn't even like the team tore itself apart. It was it was literally the GM and the owner versus the people making all of the money. <laughs> it's, it's insane, bro. It's, you have what is, in my opinion, the greatest dynasty of all time, and you throw it away over some ego shit. You you throw it away. Yeah, I I'll tell you what. I wish they would take a whole episode to explore all the dynamics into there. It's like I said. Jordan actually had an offer to come back and play for $40 million, 36 for the final year, then 40 for the next. And Jerry Reinsdorf said— He didn't said, want to play without Phil, though. That was the problem, right? Yep, and Phil Jackson would cost about $6 million. Scotty would cost about ten. You know, you well, would have pay been— Pay them their money and trade them later if that's what it—like, it doesn't even make sense. Here's the thing. You win—what do you—what's the goal, okay? That's the thing I don't get. What's the goal? If you're to, if it's to make more money than everyone else, you're doing that. If it's to win more championships than everyone, you're doing that. If it's to have more publicity than everyone else, you're doing that. There isn't a reason to destroy this team except being completely ignorant to everything in front of you that's been built over the last 10 years. I mean... It's crazy. They they blew up the greatest franchise or the greatest team of all time because they wanted to prove that they could do it without them. I think that that's the quick summary. Because they didn't want to pay them what they were worth. That's the crazier part. Oh, Phil Jackson. We don't want to pay Phil Jackson like he's a top coach. Now he's 11 rings later. You feel real fucking dumb. We'll just go find another Phil Jackson. We found this one. Well, we found this one. And look, they did. Jerry Krause actually did find Phil Jackson. Uh, we saw the clips of him playing down in, what was it, the Dominican League? Puerto Rico. Puerto Rican. Sorry, I got that mixed <laughs> up. Um, Puerto Rican League. Uh, you know, and Jer- Jerry Carls did actually find a lot of this talent. Uh, Michael Jordan did go third in that draft, you know. So there are some things. But at the end of the fucking day, just sit back and go, I built this. I don't need to build another one. You never do. Show me a history where someone builds one dynasty, turns around and builds another one immediately off their back. Yeah, nah, I can't. I can't give that to you. The Celtics are the closest thing, and you got to go to win. There were four athletic people in the league, and they had one <laughs> of them. 1960-something. Right. You know, you you got to go back to Bill Russell and things like that. Uh, so, to me, that's... I, I, 
I'm getting angrier watching the doc. I love it. First off, I'm glued to the TV, but those kinds of things piss me off. So, all right, any parting thoughts? Uh, I got one more question. Uh, Fired in. Locked and loaded here if you want it. Fired in. I'm, I'm, I'm hot and ready. Okay, now this has nothing to do with the Jordan doc. We're jumping right back into the NBA, though. Okay. So my parting question to you, and I ask this question because, uh, you know, you see a lot of debate, especially now that we're all at home. People are just debating this player versus that player, who would win, this, that, the other, right? So I, I want to ask you what your preference is or what do you look at when you're determining which player you would rather have over another player? And to be more specific, do you prefer elite two-way ability? Or would you prefer someone whose offense is practically unguardable, but they may not have the the defensive side? So more so asking you, would you rather start your franchise with a Steph-like player? Or would you rather start your franchise with a Kawhi-like player? Now, eliminate all injuries. I just mean play style. Yeah, so I... I limit it to you on both ends. He's going to dominate you on defense, and he is going to do a great job on offense. I don't think Kawhi is single-handedly beating you on offense, but he can do what he needs to do. Obviously, he won a championship. Um, You know, for me, I take the well-rounded player because it's easier to fit pieces around him. Uh, It's easier to find people that are good at one thing. It's very, very difficult to find someone who's you know, an A average at everything, and then sometimes can hit A plus. So when I build things, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you're going to start a franchise. Do you want to start it with uh, Clay, who's way better of a defender, but also can complete heat check you? Or do you want Curry? I, mean, I think Curry gets a lot of the, you know, obviously Curry's an otherworldly talent offensively, and he's not poor defensively. Um, but Clay can hit a lot of those same shots and plays lockdown defense. So, I, you know, I think a lot of people would go with Curry, but I think it's easier to find a team that wins around Clay because Clay is the glue guy. Everyone says it's Draymond because Draymond does a little bit of everything. But the truth is it's Clay. Clay could be on a team and be the number one scoring option, no ifs, ands, or maybes. He had no problem being the number two and then no problem being the number three. It's just easier to win with someone who does more things well. Uh, And I I think that, to me, is how I build a team. Yeah, I'm a Clay guy. You know, he's one of my favorite players in the league. Uh, Maybe mentioning Steph was an error because that is like the apex God level version of what that player is. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, for the most part, I like two-way ability over elite... (sighs) It's hard to it's hard to say, but I guess I, I do like the two way ability more than I like the elite ability on one end. You know, like I'd I'd rather have Kawhi's twenty seven points in elite defense than Steph's thirty one points and whatever defense. I, I look, you know, Clay and Curry isn't a fair comparison, uh, but you're right. If I got to go Kawhi or Curry, I'm taking Kawhi. I I I I'll tell you, this, I don't really think it's close. Um, you. You know what Kawhi's been able to do now on two teams, and now he's on a third team, and they're in second place, and gonna make a push for another title run. I, I, I always like the well-rounded player. You can just fit things around him. You know, oh, do we want more defense? Easy. We don't have to worry about that guy. 
you know, with Curry, you go, okay, we need to put some defense around him, right? We're going to score points, means they're going to be pressed to score points. We need to put defense around Curry. You don't have that with Kawhi. You never have to hide Kawhi. And look, there's something that's what you're paying for a golden gun in Curry. But we've seen, you know, uh, I hate to say it this way, but we've seen Curry get beat. Um, Kawhi, kind of not. I mean, the the one time we saw Kawhi get beat, at least in the finals, it was because he missed some free throws. So, yeah, I, you know, like and that's he, early. <laughs> that's early he, in his he career. Pretty much wins when he's out there. Yeah, and that's early in his career. I mean, they were taking it to Golden State before Zaza uh, took his legs out. Right. So, um, you know, and and then we've had a nonstop cascading of weird things happening to Kawhi after that. But uh, to me, that's that's really what it's about. I give me the well-rounded player uh, over the golden gun. Um, And a great example of that is like Harden, right? You know, Harden, you're going to get elite offense on one side, but... Are you getting a well-rounded player? How's his passing? How's his defense? Uh, I don't think you're getting any of that. And as you see, great offense is wonderful in the regular season, but when you get down to the nitty-gritty of the offseason, we're going to remember James Harden as someone who was a subpar star in the playoffs. Just... Yeah, I mean, with Harden, Harden is a a good example of this, although I do think he is a good passer. if you can't, if you know, if you're not elite on the defensive end, then eventually, when it comes down to it in the playoffs, it's going to be tough. Because if you're the star player and you can't get stops, then you need to have a roster around you that can get stops. That roster around you that can get stops probably isn't elite on offense. So that's that's the Rockets' forever problem. I think, and we'll wrap on this, but I think the thing, the two players that I would most most say, I go, hey, do you want the guy who's, you know, a B-plus at everything or the guy who does A's and then C's? Um, they played on the same team last year. I think a great comparison is uh, Russell and Paul George. With Paul George, you get someone who can do everything really well. And with Russell Westbrook, you get a very specific set of things he does extremely well. And your, your choices to build around them... Uh, I, I think that's where, you know, which one do you want, right? Uh, do you want the one who's dazzling, going to light up the scoreboard? And obviously Paul George has gone through numerous injuries, but when you talk about pre-injury Paul George, that's kind of what you were looking at. All around a, a player uh, who a lot of teams coveted as a glue guy um, to, to kind of go, hey, you're going to be our 1B. That's what I think if, if Paul George is healthy, I think that's what makes him – very dangerous as they will have Kawhi and him who both are probably two of the most well-rounded basketball players heading into the playoffs so that's your comparison the Clippers they're one of those teams that do worry me with all this rest because you've given Paul George and Kawhi a long time to rest those legs yep so all right Leo go ahead and plug your shit all right, you can find me on Twitter at pick n scroll pick the letter n scroll. Uh, right now, if if you go to the Twitter profile, you'll see a link to the latest piece that I've written. It's called State of the Franchise on the Tennessee Titans. Go check that out and share it. Everyone, give that a look, and you can also find us uh, pick and play Twitter. You can go to our uh, Spotify account. And you can give us a listen. Uh, we've got a bunch of new listeners recently, so go ahead and follow us. Uh, give us a plug. Rate, review, 
All that shit. All that shit. Um, I will be looking to, uh, I mean, so we're going to be looking to do another pod next week. Uh, if there's any good news uh, about either sport, we'll try to drop a pod immediately for everyone. Besides that, everyone stay safe, hunker down, and uh, if you're looking for something to do, UFC action all Saturday long. Oh, they're back? They're back. Uh, UFC is back on Saturday. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't it. like UFC, but they might get my... It might get my money this this weekend. I like UFC, but, uh, you know, sometimes I miss it. This time I won't. All right, everyone. Take care.